0: Welcome in, everybody, to episode 224 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Eratora Sports Podcast. Great show today. It's going to be a little bit different. I'll tell you why. I don't feel as though anything major happened over the course of the last couple days. Now, listen, Louisville did, in fact, lose to Georgia Tech. I know I've been critical of Louisville, but... At the same time, let's never forget, this is the time of year where teams are going to lose on the road. It does happen. Nothing personal against Louisville. So what we're going to do is something a little bit different. Today feels like the day to have the talk. The talk. I'm not talking birds and bees. I'm not talking about where is this relationship going talk. I'm talking about the San Diego State Dayton talk because there is so much information out there so much negativity about these two teams so many people feel like they don't play anybody they're no good and I feel like with each coming off a big win what I am going to do today is simply educate you guys some of you no matter what happens, you're not going to believe that San Diego State and Dayton are really as good as some of the elite teams in college basketball until you see it in the NCAA tournament. And even then, maybe you still won't believe it. My job today is not to tell you why you're wrong because we're all entitled to our opinions. My job is to educate you on the other side. These are two of the four or five best teams that I have seen in college basketball over the course of this season. I believe both can win the national championship, and so what I'm going to do, San Diego State won the Mountain West regular season the other day, Dayton won convincingly against Rhode Island, maybe the best team they will play on their schedule, and what I'm going to simply do is educate you on these two teams, give you some information about them maybe you didn't know, and then it's up to you to decide. If you decide that they're no good and you don't like them and that they're overrated, that's fine. I get it. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm just here to present some facts. After that, what I will also do, I'm gonna talk a little bubble because I think this is the time of the year where some teams are trending in the right direction, some teams are trending in the wrong direction. We have fans that listen to this show from all over the country and And so I figured now would be a good time to address some of these teams that are squarely on the bubble. We'll talk Arkansas, we'll talk Tennessee, Virginia, the reigning national champs, NC State, Mississippi State, and maybe one or two other teams that are on the bubble. Just what their profile is, what they need to do. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each, but maybe three minutes, two minutes on each. And then special guest to wrap the show my guy John Rostein is back John Rostein obviously of CBS Sports he has a new YouTube show out so we talk about the YouTube show we talk about some some teams coming down the home stretch who can win the title who can't Um And it's a fun conversation. You only had about 10, 15 minutes, but we got it in, made it work, and John Rothstein will wrap the show. I'll come back really quickly, do shout-out of the day, and I will wrap from there. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody, like I always do, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. Do it on Podcast Addict. You can do it on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you listen to this show. Also, please make sure to rate and review show. Give us a quick five stars. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. uh, And I will read the good ones on air like I always do. If you're not already, make sure you're following me on Instagram. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. As I've told you many times, some of you were saying, AT, I need more AT. I wish this show was a daily show. Well, you get a little slice of AT every morning on the Aaron Torres Podcast Instagram page. I'm posting videos and reaction there all the time. And finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. All right, so let's get into the topics of the day. And I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a fun show. I think it's going to be a different show. I talk so much Kentucky, and I talk so much Duke, and I talk so much Michigan State, and I talk so much Louisville, that I just feel like today's a good day to branch out, to talk something different, to do something unique, and to really, like I said, we as a community, guys, we got to do it. We got to have the talk. The talk. We got to have the talk. The talk. You had the talk with your parents when you were young, you had the talk with your spouse a few years ago, and now you're going to have the talk with AT about San Diego State and Dayton. And it's really funny kind of how this whole conversation started because on Wednesday morning on Twitter, I put out a poll and I got a lot of vitriol for it. And the poll was basically very simply this. I said, if you had to choose one, if you had to bet one, if you had to put your life savings down on one, what would it be? Would you take these three teams, Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Dayton, or would you take the field? Now, obviously, the answer is the field. I get it. You're talking about 65 teams in a 68-team tournament versus three. You're talking about the Blue Bloods. You're talking about not only the Blue Bloods, but Baylor, Villanova, um, Seton Hall, Creighton, to go along with Kansas, with Kentucky, with Duke, with Louisville. And so that is the move to make, but I also don't think that my question was absolutely preposterous for a couple reasons. First of all, I'm giving you two of the four number one seeds in San Diego State and Gonzaga, and history tells us that the number that number one seeds usually win this tournament. For all the talk about how open these tournament is and and it, oh anybody can win it, it's wide open. Ten of the last 13 years, a number one seed has won the national championship. And so, if I give you Gonzaga, San Diego State, what I'm basically asking you is, do you prefer San Diego State and Gonzaga, or do you prefer Baylor and Kansas? Because that's kind of what I'm telling you. I'd also say of the 13, of like I said, 10 of the last 13 have bet 13 national champions have been a number one seed. Two of the other three were UConn with Kemble Walker and Shabazz Napier in 2011 and 2014, which means that really out of the last 13 national championships, it's either been a number one seed or the team with the best player in the tournament. And I think you can include Obi Toppin from Dayton as the best player that's going to be in this tournament. And so I bring all this up because I put out this poll question and you would not believe some of the responses that I got. Well, actually, you probably would believe some of the responses. I just got you this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You're overreaching, you're trying too hard. I really don't think I am. Because I think that Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Dayton are three of the best teams that I have seen all year. And I do think all three are capable of winning a national championship. And so like I said, I think today is the day to have the the talk about the two, about the three teams. And I've talked Gonzaga enough, so we'll stay away from Gonzaga. And we will talk San Diego State and Dayton specifically today. And the the reason is very simple. The reason why it feels like the right time is, is again, very simple. One, there was no major kind of storyline to emerge from the front end of the week, okay? Um, Kentucky didn't lose to Vandy. Duke didn't lose to Florida State, Kansas didn't lose to West Virginia, there were no major injuries, nobody uh, decided to transfer, nobody pulled out of school like James Wiseman, so that's one. But two, San Diego State and Dayton are coming off arguably their most important wins of the season. San Diego State on Tuesday, incredibly, this isn't the incredible part, they improved to 25-0, but incredibly, on February 11th, they clinched the Mountain West regular season title. I don't know this for a fact. I would guess that this is the earliest that any team has ever clinched a regular season title. And I will say part of it is because the Mountain West tournament is actually a week earlier than usual this year. It is not during championship week. It's actually the week before. Fun fact, it's in Las Vegas and there's a big expo in Las Vegas that week of championship week. I'll actually be there And the Mountain West was afraid that Las Vegas was going to run out of hotel rooms. So they moved the conference tournament up. San Diego State is almost done with their regular season. They only have four regular season games left. And they clinched the regular season title. Dayton, on the other hand, they played the second best team in their conference, Rhode Island, a team that is comfortably in the NCAA tournament right now. And they whooped them. They whooped them. Best win that they've had basically since the Maui Invitational... And so I just kind of felt like now is the time to talk about these teams because really, again, I've talked Gonzaga plenty and I've talked the Blue Bloods and the traditional programs plenty. I don't really feel like I've done the the San Diego State deep dive and I don't really feel like I've done the Dayton deep dive since the Maui Invitational. So now feels like as good a time as any to have these conversations and again, to have the talk. And again, I will reiterate what I said off the top. I get that for some of you, no matter what I say, it doesn't matter. They don't play anybody. These teams stink. They need to play real competition. If you believe that, I don't think I am going to convince you otherwise. It reminds me kind of honestly like politics, right? You have angry grandma at the Thanksgiving table, and it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how many facts you bring to the table, literally and figuratively. She isn't going to change her mind. Uh, I'll tell you a true story. I was at the gym the other day, literally walked into the sauna, Want to get a little sweat going before I left. Two people talking politics. Doesn't matter what side they were on, they were just arguing with each other, and I'm sitting there listening, and I'm like, you know what? No matter what happens, these guys aren't going to change the other guy's opinions, so I don't even know why they're bothering, but it kind of reminds me of this conversation. If you don't believe that San Diego State and Dayton are good, there is nothing I can say to change your opinion, but all I'm here to do is educate you, is to give you information, is to tell you about these teams, to tell you about what they've done, to tell you that frankly their resumes are probably a little bit better than you realize and then for you to determine what you think of them. So let me start with San Diego State and I will tell you this. You're going to laugh. You're not going to believe me. San Diego State is, for, before I even get into it, let me say this. Part of the San Diego State narrative is that, yes, in fact, their conference is bad. I get that, and I get that's part of the the conversation that comes with San Diego State. I would also say there's a lot of teams that are playing in bad conferences right now. I mean, Duke plays in a pretty bad conference right now. The ACC might only get three tournament bids. So the point I'm trying to bring up is just because a team is in a bad conference, it doesn't mean that they, in fact, are bad. And I think that's the case with San Diego State. And so what I was going to say about San Diego State, I think at the very least, whether you guys like me, don't like me, agree, disagree, I think we can all agree, I I, I think I work pretty hard, and, I, and I'm not saying it to brag, I'm not saying it because like I want a pat on the back or I want a ribbon, I know I'm a millennial, we get participation trophies, that's not why I'm saying it, but what I'm saying it is, when I say what I'm going to say next, it comes from a place of education, it comes from a place of staying up every single night and watching games and getting up the next day and miss, watching what I missed, and I will tell you this. San Diego State is the most complete team that I've seen in college basketball this year. I don't know if they're the best. I don't know if when they're at their best, they're better than X, Y, or Z team. I think they're the most complete team, though. They're the only team in college basketball that ranks in the top 10 nationally in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. They are a team that in a year where nobody can hit three-pointers, they hit 39% as a team And basically, their top four three point shooters, who are all guards, who all play major minutes, are shooting better than 38%, which is insane. They shoot 76% from the foul line. They only turn the ball over 10 times a game, which in the NCAA tournament matters. And so, to me, they are the most complete team I have seen. By the way, they start two legitimate seven-footers. They will not be overwhelmed by size. People to say, well, you know, what happens when they run into Kansas or they run into one of these teams with all these big guys? Well, they played Iowa with Luca Garza, who's going to be a first-team All-American, and they held them to nine points. And so when I look at San Diego State, what I see is the most complete team that I have seen in college basketball. I will also tell you this. They have legitimately good wins. Again, I think because they don't play in the great conference, the Mountain West, We think that they're not good or they haven't played people. Well, let me tell you this. Creighton is maybe the hottest team in the Big East right now. Creighton has won six out of their last seven games in the Big East, which might be the toughest conference in college basketball. And in the last two weeks, Creighton has won at Villanova and Creighton has won at Seton Hall. Guess what? San Diego State played Creighton. San Diego State won by 30. Not three, Not 13, they won by 30. They beat maybe the hottest team in the Big East by 30. They also played Iowa. Iowa's currently in third place in the Big Ten. Big Ten, maybe the toughest conference top to bottom alongside the Big East. Iowa's beaten some good teams. They've beaten Maryland. They've beaten Illinois. They've beaten a lot of good teams. They lost to San Diego State by double figures. By the way, Utah... Remember when Utah went to Vegas and played Kentucky and beat Kentucky? Guess who Utah played next? San Diego State. And guess how many they lost by? They lost by 30. The same team that beat Kentucky lost by 30 the very next game. And so I bring it up because when I look at this San Diego State team, I'm telling you, this team has talent. They have toughness. That's the other thing I didn't mention. They have that Seton Hall, Baylor, Kentucky on the road. They love going into your arena and ripping your heart out. And that's one of my favorite things about this team. And they also have the resume to back it up. Like I said, they beat Creighton. They beat Iowa. They won at BYU. These might not sound like great wins, but let me tell you like this. For the people that are saying they don't play anybody, here's what you need to know. San Diego State right now has more quad one wins. Quad one wins are the the, the the best wins that you can get. The ones that the NCAA Tournament Committee cares about the most. They have more quad one wins right now than Louisville does. They have more quad win, quad one wins than Michigan State does. And they have more quad one wins than Florida State does. And those are teams that have been in the top 10, top 15 all year. And San Diego State has more good wins than any of them, according to the metrics that matter for the NCAA Tournament Committee. So don't tell me they don't play anybody, because if you're going to tell me they don't play anybody, then guess what? Louisville's not playing anybody. Now, it's not Louisville's fault that the ACC is bad, but it's not San Diego State's fault that the Mountain West is bad. San Diego State has more quality wins than Louisville. That might be an indictment on the ACC, partly. Partly. But you can't tell me that if you're going to tell me San Diego State plays nobody, you better also tell me that Louisville plays nobody. You better tell me that Florida State doesn't play anybody. You better tell me that Michigan State, while they've played a lot of good teams, they don't beat any of them. That's what you better tell me. Now, does this mean that San Diego State is going to win the national championship? Of course not. And that's the distinction. This is the part that drives me maybe the most crazy about this conversation, is that anytime I say anything nice about about San Diego State or Dayton or Gonzaga, well, they're not going to win the championship. Well, guess what? Only one team is going to win the national championship. Does that mean that if Duke finishes whatever they are, you know, twenty, you know, Kansas is what twenty-four and three? If they run the table and win the Big Twelve regular season and win the Big Twelve conference tournament and make it to the final four, does that mean that Kansas had a bad season? Does that mean that Louisville had a bad season? Does that mean that Kentucky had a bad season? Does that mean Maryland, Seton Hall, Villanova had a bad season if they don't win the national championship? Get out of here. And so the point I'm trying to make, this team is really good. And what I need you guys to do, take off the I'm a this school fan, I'm a that school fan, and just watch the game. Just watch the way that they play defense and that they move the ball and that they love making and taking tough shots and that they have the size and that they have the physicality. Because I'm telling you, they can play with anybody. I'm not saying they will win the national championship because there's only one team that's going to win it. But if you're asking me a team that there is no team that they cannot match up with, there's no team that athletically will overwhelm them, there's no team that physically will overwhelm them, and I think San Diego State is good enough to win the national championship. Doesn't mean they will, but I just want you to do me that favor. If you disagree, if you say they don't play anybody, first of all, you better be saying the same thing about Louisville. You better be saying the same thing about Florida State, but then also... Just watch their remaining games. They are that good. I do kind of want to have the same conversation about Dayton. And listen, it's the same deal with Dayton. I get that it has been a while since they played anybody. I get that it really sucks that we thought at one point the Atlantic 10, the conference that they play in, was going to be a three or four bid league. And unfortunately, it's looking like it's just going to be Dayton and Rhode Island. But just because it's a two bid league, does not mean that Dayton isn't good. And Dayton, similar to San Diego State, I can't say that it's exactly like San Diego State San Diego State hasn't lost. Dayton hasn't lost since December. Dayton is on an insane win streak, and Dayton absolutely laid the wood to Rhode Island, the best team in their conference, the equivalent of a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Rhode Island came into yesterday in most bracketologies as a seven seed, Okay. So this would be the equivalent of Kentucky playing Arkansas, who up until a day or two was a seven seed, and whooping them. Would a Kentucky fan not be happy with beating the crap out of Arkansas? Would a Kansas fan not be happy with beating the crap out of Oklahoma? Of course they would. So let's give Dayton credit. And for real quick, for a quick recap for people who don't remember Dayton, what I can tell you about Dayton is this. Like San Diego State, I don't know that Anybody shoots a three-point ball better than Dayton. It does start with Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is the kid I've been telling you about since November. Remember, he went to the Maui Invitational and played his you-know-what off. And he played as well as anybody in that tournament, and he played great against Kansas. And I told you, I said at the time, and I stand by it, I said, that guy, he's being projected as a lottery pick? That guy's going top five on draft night. And I think... I still think there's a, there's a part of me that thinks he could still go number one. I think that kid go, could go number one because James Wiseman is, is sitting in some facility somewhere and working out, and nobody's seen him. Anthony Edwards can't do anything at Georgia. Georgia just lost again to South Carolina on Wednesday night. LaMelo Ball, nobody's seen him play in a long time. And so if Obi Toppin blows up and Dayton gets to the Final Four and he averages 27-11, and you mean to tell me there's not going to be some GM saying, we really should consider that guy? And I think I would because this guy has been a star at this level in college, and I think it will translate to the NBA. He's a monster. He averages 20 points, 8 rebounds. He dunks like crazy. He can hit the 3-point shot. And what makes Dayton so fun to watch, so really tough to beat is that they kind of have the perfect team around him. And I said this during the Maui Invitational, but they have surrounded him with four three point shooters at all times. And those guys can shoot the you know what of the ball. They got a kid named Jalen Crutcher, who is averaging like 14 a game. E.B. Watson, Trey Landers, their three best players besides Obi Toppin. Those guys all averaged. All average, excuse me, over 39% shooting. They all average double figures, and so this is the perfect team for a to have a superstar low post player like Obi Toppin. This is the perfect team around it because you got a bunch of three point shooting, and you're very dangerous. Now, listen, the one thing I will say about Dayton, they don't have a ton of size, and I do think against the wrong team they can struggle. But I would also say, let's not forget, there aren't many teams bigger than Kansas. And they took Kansas to overtime in Maui. And if we're being perfectly honest, they probably should have beaten Kansas. They, they had the lead the entire game and ran out of gas in the last couple minutes. And so when I look at this Dayton team, yes, I absolutely think they can win a national championship. And yes, I do think we should give them credit. I know Rhode Island isn't, you know, it's not beating Louisville and it's not beating whoever, Maryland or Michigan State or Seton Hall. Doesn't make it not a good win. Dayton was up like 18-0 in that game, and it never got closer than like 10. They played a seven seed in the NCAA tournament, and it was never closer than 10. Rodon's the best team in that conference. I'll tell you, Rhode could beat a lot of good teams. And so when I look at Dayton, yes, again, it's like San Diego State. I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship. And by the way, I'm not saying their season's going to be a disappointment if they don't. Because guess what? This is maybe the greatest season in school history. I'm not going to take that away from them, but I am. I'm just going to say it, and you guys can disagree. It's fine. I am so tired of people saying that, oh, these teams don't play anybody. They're no good. They're overrated. It's like, just watch the games. Dayton could play with anybody, San Diego State can play with anybody. Doesn't mean they're going to win the national championship, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad team just like it doesn't mean that Florida State or Louisville or Seton Hall is a bad team if they don't win the national championship. By the way, I do just want to give one quick shout out. I think next episode what I'll do, I'm going to do bubble teams in a minute. What I do think I'm going to do next episode, today I'll do bubble teams. Next episode what I'll do is three or four teams that are kind of in that like, five to ten range in terms of seeding like could be a five seed could be a ten seed and can make a run in the tournament and I think one of those teams played on Wednesday night and that was Creighton who beat Seton Hall at Seton Hall don't have a ton to say on them I'll talk about them more but I think we got to give Creighton a ton of credit because that is a team in the Big East they are now eight and four in Big East play they have won at Villanova and at Seton Hall, the team that they're tied for second with, and that they that they're actually uh, is in first place, Seton Hall. And Creighton's playing out of their mind. And if you haven't watched Creighton, I'm just telling you right now, they are one of the most fun teams in college basketball to watch because a lot like Dayton actually, they move the ball, three point shooting. Um, they don't have any real big guys. They got a point guard, Marcus Segarowski, who I think is going to end up playing in the NBA, and they just got a bunch of three point shooting around him. They are a really fun team to watch. I'll get into them more on Saturday because I do want to do kind of those two, three teams that are maybe off the radar that I think can make a run to maybe a final four. But, um, but yeah, we're not going to talk too much more about them today, but that was another game that stood out to me. I do really quickly, I'm getting some mean texts right now from from some friends. Um, I do really quickly, I do want to talk about bubble teams because I get this question so much from so many fan bases, and it's a great question. Listen, I get it. I'm a fan. You guys know, I went to UConn. I want everybody to make the tournament. I want my team to make the tournament. My team isn't going to make it this year, but when you guys always ask me, like, AT, like, what about this team? What about that team? Can my team get in? Can this team get in? Can that team get in? So I figured it'd be fun to just look at five or six bubble teams. I'm not going to get to all of them. There are some that I would love to talk about, but they're playing after I'm recording. And so, like, for example, Indiana is playing on Thursday night. And it's like, it doesn't make sense for me to talk about Indiana if they're playing less than 24 hours after I record. Um, Memphis and Cincinnati play. Two teams that are very firmly on the bubble. Guess what? They play Thursday night. The winner got a much-needed win. The loser is going to be in deep, deep, deep you-know-what, and I would add, it's probably going to be Memphis. I talked about Memphis last episode, and so I would encourage you to go back and listen. Florida, very much on the bubble. We'll not talk about them today. I will give them credit. They went to Texas A&M. They got a win. They needed that win. Good for them. But I do want to talk about a couple teams because there are some teams that have Been on the bubble. I have multiple fans from those fan bases asking me, and so I figured now is as good a time as any. Also, I should remind you: keep in mind, John Ralstein will be back at the, or will be part of this show in about 10-15 minutes. He talks about his new show, Stuffed, on YouTube. Uh, We talk about a couple different things. He only had a few minutes, so I appreciate him joining me. But I do want to talk about some bubble teams, and I will start with a team that wasn't on the bubble as of like a week ago, and now is. And that is the University of Arkansas. And you guys know, you know, I've had Coach Muss on this show many times. I, I did my Arkansas rant after the Indiana game. But it has been a tough couple weeks for Arkansas. They lose Isaiah Joe, their best NBA draft prospect. He goes down with an injury. He's out four to six weeks. And in the least surprising news ever, they're struggling, right? When you lose an NBA caliber player, you're going to struggle and that's exactly what happened to Arkansas. They've now dropped three in a row. And the unfortunate thing was they actually had Auburn on the ropes. If they had gotten that Auburn win, their whole season is in a completely different place. But they, they, they lose to Auburn in overtime. Then they lose at Missouri. And then they lose at Tennessee on Tuesday. And we're actually going to get to Tennessee in a minute because I think they're in better shape to get a potential bubble bid than people think. But with Arkansas, again, they're just really struggling without Isaiah Joe, and again, these are things that happen when you lose an NBA draft prospect and your second leading scorer. The thing that I will say for Arkansas is that they do have somewhat of a manageable schedule going forward. I don't know that there's ever a quote-unquote easy schedule in uh, in the SEC, but you look at their schedule, and they do have a chance to pick up some quality wins going forward they have the opportunity to get the wins they need to put themselves in the tournament it won't be easy first of all they got to take care of business they play at Texas A&M at Georgia those are two wins you have to have arkansas did already beat texas a&m georgia is a grease fire you got to get those wins you got to beat missouri at home and then i think it really comes down to the remaining games they play mississippi state at home they play at florida they play lsu at home so that's seven games total. I think there are three games that are absolute must wins: Missouri, at A&M, at Georgia. I think if they can get one other win, if they can go four and three, again we're talking about bubble teams. We're not talking about teams that are going to finish the regular season 26 and five or 28 and three. We're talking about bubble teams. For Arkansas, I think they need to go four and three down the stretch. If they go four and three down the stretch. That would put them at twenty and eleven going into the SEC tournament, and it would put them at what eight or nine uh, eight and ten going into SEC tournament. I think if they can get that, because they do have some nice wins out of conference, most notably at Indiana, which is still a good win in the computers. I think they'll be okay if they go three and four. Probably need to win at least one game in the SEC tournament, but I think for Arkansas, four and three is your best bet win a game in the SEC tournament, and you're in. And I will say this, too, for Arkansas. As long as Isaiah Joe is back for the NCAA tournament, the committee does factor in that you're missing one of your best players. So that's an important factor for Arkansas going forward. Do you want to get to another bubble team, the University of Tennessee? And I'll be honest, I didn't really think Tennessee was a bubble team, but I kind of started looking at their, their stuff and looking at their numbers and looking at their schedule Tennessee's closer to the bubble than people think. So they're only 14-10 overall as I record this, but they are 6-5 in the SEC, um, and they've won two out of their last three. They, they won at Alabama, they beat Arkansas, and I thought they played Kentucky pretty tough last Saturday, and so I'll give Tennessee credit because they're playing really hard, and they're playing about as well as you can ask given the fact that they lost Lamonte Turner, their best player for the season, to their best player this season to injury, the kid Santiago Viscovi, uh, the point guard from from Uruguay, has stepped in nicely. And I'll say this for Tennessee, I don't think the path is easy. <laughs> Unlike Arkansas, most of Tennessee's manageable games are behind them. They have an insane backstretch of the schedule where Tennessee has to play at South Carolina, at Auburn, at Arkansas, at Kentucky, and then they get Auburn and Florida at home. The only game that should be a win, they get Vandy at home. But what I'll say with Tennessee is this. I don't think they're going to get enough wins to get into the NCAA tournament, but they do have the schedule where if they can pull off a few of these upsets, if they can pull off the upset uh, against Auburn at home or at South Carolina or at Arkansas, heck, at Auburn or at Kentucky would certainly help. I think they're going to be in the conversation because the one thing I will say is, again, the committee will factor in that they lost their best player in the middle of the season. And the thing about Tennessee, you can't deny that they really challenged themselves out of conference. This was a team that played Washington when Washington was actually very good. They played at Cincinnati. They played at Kansas. They played Wisconsin at home. They played Florida State on a neutral court they played Virginia Commonwealth VCU on a neutral court and so the committee loves teams that aggressively schedule I think Tennessee will be rewarded for that now they still got to win a couple more games here but I think if they can pull off a few upsets I actually do think Tennessee is closer to the bubble than anybody realizes. I think they could have a not great record, but because of the metrics, and if they can get one or two of these really big wins down the stretch at Auburn, at Kentucky, Kentucky, whatever it is, Auburn at home, I think that can help their resume. I wouldn't bet on them getting in, but I think it's possible. A couple other ones I do want to talk about really quickly, Virginia, defending national champions. They have really kind of a wild resume. Um, you look at them, they really have no great wins out of conference. And in the ACC, they really only have one great win which was Florida State at home, and it goes back to what I said a minute ago with Louisville and Florida State. There's just not a lot of good wins to have in the ACC this year. And so you look at Virginia, they are entering the weekend they're 16 and 7, 8 and 5 overall. But what I will say is they're actually playing pretty good basketball. And you guys know I've been critical of Tony Bennett through the years. But they are five, and they've won five of their last six. The only loss was at Louisville in a game that they could have won. And again, like I said, they're starting to beat the teams they're supposed to. They do have the good win over Florida State. They also took care of business against Notre Dame, they took care of business uh, against Clemson. They, they're winning the games that they're supposed to, is the point that I'm trying to make. In the end, I will say this. They got a game at UNC. They absolutely got to win. The thing that they have going for them, four of their last seven are on the road. And the two biggest games, Duke and Louisville, are at home. So you pick up road wins. Road wins look good in the computers. I'll tell you what, if you can beat either Duke or you can beat Louisville at home, and I think they can beat one of them at home considering they almost just beat uh, Louisville on the road. I think they lock themselves into a tournament bid. I don't know if they'll get those wins. In the end, I do think they end up as a tournament team. I want to stay in the ACC because really there's only one other team that's really in the conversation. Syracuse is on the fringe of the bubble. The team they lost to on Tuesday night, NC State, Really kind of a crazy resume. And NC State's one of these teams. Last year, I think they were one win away from getting into the NCAA tournament. Kevin Keats has been on this podcast to talk about last season. Kevin Keats, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, he was on, I think, May, June, somewhere in that time frame to talk about NC State's last season. Um, and they're very much in a similar boat this year. Again, a weird resume overall. 16-8, and 7-6 and 6 in the ACC. Uh, you know, some losses that I think they wish they had back. Uh, They did lose at Clemson. They got swept by Georgia Tech. Now, I will say one of the Georgia Tech games was literally on the opening night of the season. They were down two starters. Um, But NC State's another one that they have the games in front of them, but they need to win some of them. They have two games left against Duke. They play Florida State at home. They play UNC on the road. UNC on the road, believe it or not, still counts as a quad one win because UNC is still in the top 100. It's a long story, but it's still not a terrible, it's still a good win if you can get it. But again, I do think it comes down to they have two games against Duke, one against Florida State. Two of those games are at home, one against Florida State, one against Duke. You gotta win one, and I think you're in the tournament if you take no more bad losses. The good thing that NC State has going for it is what everybody has going for it, which is very simply, that there's just not a lot of good teams this year, and we're going to be fighting to get 68 teams in this field. Really quick, I want to wrap on two more. Out of the Mountain West, I do quickly want to talk about Utah State. Utah State's kind of a wild team. So they're 20-7, and 9-5. and They are the second best team in the Mountain West behind San Diego State. We're doing a lot of San Diego State Mountain West talk today. And Utah State's, like I said, kind of a crazy team. They entered the year in the top 25. They were the Mountain West regular season and tournament champions last year. And in the preseason, in the in the out-of-conference, they did what they were supposed to. This was a team, believe it or not, Utah State had a win over LSU in the out-of-conference. They had a win over Florida in the out-of-conference. Now, the problem is, when they got to conference play, they started losing all sorts of weird games. They lost at Air Force. They lost at Boise They have turned things around, they have won six of their last seven with the only loss coming at San Diego State, who by now you've probably figured out is undefeated and really good, and so I just think they're another fascinating team to watch down the stretch because they're another one. They scheduled aggressively out of conference, they did what they had to, and I do think they'll be rewarded, but with only four games left in the regular season, I think they basically have to win out and then probably win... A game or two, if not more, in the Mountain West Tournament. If you get to the Mountain West Final and you lose to San Diego State, we all get it. But Utah State, another team to watch. Last team, Mississippi State. I'll be honest, I just don't get this team. I just really don't get this team. This was a team that I thought was actually playing really well. And then on Tuesday night, they just went and put an absolute stink bomb up at Ole Miss. They lose at Ole Miss and it really kind of ruined what was a very good stretch for them. And I would also say, they're gonna if they look back on this season, they're going to have a lot of what-ifs if they don't get into the NCAA tournament. They had two really bad losses in the out-of-conference. They lost to New Mexico State at home and Louisiana Tech at home. They seem to have rallied, but two also close losses since conference play started. One at LSU, they lose by one. Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, they lose by one. Either one of those games goes that their way. I feel better about Mississippi State. They too, like so many other teams, they have the opportunities in front of them. But will they take advantage? They had Ole Miss. They had to beat Ole Miss, and they didn't. All right, so that's bubble talk with AT. That's San Diego State Dayton talk with AT. I think that's enough AT for right now. So what we're going to do really quickly, we are going to transition to my boy John Rothstein um he is here to talk about a lot of different stuff we talk about his new show Stuffed we talk a little bit about his online persona Twitter Instagram all that stuff um and then we kind of just talk some hoop we talk some can this team win the championship can that team win the championship how wide open is it Uh, and it's a really fun conversation it's only about 12-15 minutes and then I will come back and we will do shout out of the day and we will wrap but before we do all that I do want to get to John Rothstein obviously you know him CBS Sports, uh, Twitter, social media, all that stuff. Here is my man John Rostin, to talk about a lot of things, including his new, t- his new YouTube show, excuse me, which is called Stuffed. All right, and joining me on the phone now, a good friend of mine, a man who wears many hats, a t-shirt mogul, IG star, dabbles in a little bit of college hoops and he also has a youtube show stuffed which just debuted tuesday evening at midnight it is available on youtube my man john rostein how you doing good aaron good to be with you buddy well it is fantastic to be with you as well first question most important question are you sleeping all right i mean you tell me you don't sleep till may so like like are you we're we're getting down the home stretch here how you holding up We're good, man. We got about two months left before we crown a national champion, and
1: as we can see, every day is going to bring new twists and turns in the world of college basketball. So it's been definitely one of the more exciting and unpredictable seasons that I've ever covered. All my years covering the sport, so I think the lead up to conference championship week is going to be sensational, and the NCAA tournament will be even better.
0: Fantastic. We'll get into the season itself in a minute. I did want to just talk to you a little bit about the show. I mentioned it off the top. Uh, you debuted a new uh, YouTube show called Stuffed earlier this week, and for P- you've been hyping it up a lot on social media. But for people who haven't had a chance to uh, dive in yet, give everybody kind of a quick preview what you're doing, all that kind of stuff.
1: I mean, you know, it's pretty much just a show that you know is going to highlight, obviously, key players and key coaches in college basketball, and maybe more of a relaxed setting. We're going to talk about. Obviously, great food and how that blends well with great college basketball, and we're going to obviously be very heavy and engaged with the fans and the different obviously aspects of everybody who roots for their favorite team. So it's an exciting new project. I'm ecstatic for the for the project, and I'm looking forward to getting the show off
0: the ground and on an upward trajectory. Where did uh, where did the idea for all this come from?
1: Well, Malcolm Media, the company who is behind the genesis of the show was the creators of the popular NBA show, All the Smoke, which is now on Showtime. So they reached out to me in December about doing something in the college basketball landscape, and we had a couple of meetings and traded some ideas, and were able, obviously, to put something together. So they're the ones, obviously, who came up with the straight NBA show, so now it's exciting to obviously be, you know, as a partner of theirs as they try and obviously get into the college basketball space as well.
0: So is there any chance we get a crossover show where maybe you and Matt Barnes, he dabbles in a little of what you do, you dabble in a little bit of what he does, anything like that?
1: Yeah, I'd like to find out how those <laughs> guys have the genetics they do because you know, if they were eating what I was eating, it definitely wouldn't be a thin. But we'll see. Anything is possible.
0: All right, fantastic. All right. So you mentioned it off the top. College hoops now, we're about like five weeks till selection Sunday, as you said, seven eight until we crown a national champion. As we come down the home stretch here, just in general, and and, and there are a lot of people, guys like you and I love this sport. We could talk at three sixty five and we do talk at three sixty five. But for people who are just coming in, if if your buddy, if you're going out to to grab a bite to eat with your buddies and just trying to get people caught up, what uh what like like what what intrigues you specifically down the home stretch here these last five six weeks i think
1: we've had years where we have had an off the radar program have a of season that stood out and they haven't always necessarily finished the job and i don't include you in that but you're seeing eight enter the NCAA tournament with high expectations in 2014. They lose in the round of 32. I know they went to the Final Four the year before that, but it is a different deal when you get into a situation where, for all intents and purposes, you are wearing a bullseye heading into the field of 68. I'm curious to see if a team like San Diego State can undertake that and be a team that could be undefeated playing the Final Four, playing in the Elite A, all those things similar to what we've seen in the past, and I'm also just kind of serious, serious to see how crazy can the NCAA tournament be in terms of a, a situation where seeds really don't matter. You know, we have seen, obviously, people every week go up in arms about where a team is ranked, and rankings have never been more meaningless than college basketball. The NCAA tournament is normally about backup how it unfolds, I think it's going to be more of the case this year.
0: So, you kind of mentioned this off the top. Do you believe – so, this is kind of a a conversation that – it's been an interesting conversation. I certainly think it's wide open, but there's this conversation that there are, quote-unquote, no great teams and all this kind of stuff – And I don't know, man. Like I look at Baylor, and I think because it's Baylor, we don't give them the credit that they're due. Gonzaga, I know they lost pieces from last year that were really good, so we have to assume that they're not as good as last year. But I watch them, and and they feel as good to me. Do you buy the narrative that uh, won the not that not not that the sport is down, but that whether it's no great teams? Do you buy the narratives that have kind of emerged over the course of the 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 season so far? I think one of the things,
1: Aaron, that's really happened is this: we all get. So excited, and you know, we'll talk so much about the impact freshmen in college yeah. basketball. And what's happened is the impact freshmen in college basketball that came in highly ranked have not been on highly successful teams this year. I mean, it goes to show you again that returning experience used their incoming experience in college basketball. Like, we all obviously were excited to see Georgia with Anthony Edwards, their team that's in the bottom of the SEC. Yeah. Washington added. Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, they're in the last place in the Pac-12. Even before Cole Anthony was injured, there was still issues with North Carolina's supporting cast. I mean, it lists goes on and on. So what I think that we're having happen right now is older, more experienced college teams are more successful than the teams with the incoming talent that everybody was hyping up early in the season. Now, i talked to several coaches about this, I think everybody wonders what might happen if college basketball obviously has to deal with the NBA bringing back the one-and-done rule. It could look a lot like the season we are watching right now. And I think the season we're watching right now is one of the more compelling seasons that we've seen in quite some time because on a day-to-day basis, you never know what we're going to see. Are Baylor and Gonzaga performing at a high level? Absolutely. If Kansas performing at a high level, Absolutely but it's all relative. Those teams don't look as dominant as the Kentucky team in 2015, or they're not as much of a must-see as the Duke team we saw last year with Williamson, Barrett, and Reddish. But with all that said, college basketball remains very healthy. It remains very compelling, even without those one-and-done type talents obviously coming to the forefront.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, we get so wrapped up with the freshmen and with the brand names, too. Like, you know, it's funny, right? So, like, Whatever it was, two years ago, 2018. All I heard all year was there are no great teams in college basketball. Then Villanova wins the championship. They got four guys drafted off that team in the top 35 right. pick. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that—that's the part that trips me out. Is like, listen, I get that Baylor doesn't look like the traditional. Um, you know, they don't when they walk in the gym. They don't have the effect of Willie Cauley Stein and Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Lyles, but. You win at Kansas, you win at Texas Tech, you beat, you beat Nova, you beat Arizona, you beat Butler. Like, to me, that's a phenomenal basketball team.
1: No question. I've, I've been on Baylor, you know, for a long time. I'm a big Baylor, big Baylor person, so I agree with you on that.
0: Fantastic. Actually, that is kind of a good follow-up question. So, one of the things you said was it's completely wide open. So, two questions. Is it a total? Do you foresee it being a totally matchup-based tournament? I know you you like to always say, "I don't pick a Final Four till I see the bracket." Or do you feel? Because I kind of feel like at this point, five, six, seven, eight teams are kind of starting to separate themselves. When we talked about Baylor, San Diego State, Uh, I think Louisville is, I think Duke is. I am just spitballing off top of my head: Kansas, maybe Kentucky to a degree. Do you still feel like it's a matchup-based, wide-open tournament, or do you feel like there is a couple teams starting to separate?
1: know well, no, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, Illinois and Wisconsin are two teams in the Big Ten that are rugged, that are defensive-minded teams. We don't know quite how highly they're going to be seeded in the NCAA tournament. If one of those teams were to face Dayton, or if one of those teams were to face San Diego State in the round of 32, you couldn't see them easily winning a game? Yeah, that's a good point. No, I could Well, so I, yeah. I think that the round of 32 is going to be one of the more compelling round of 32s that we've seen. I mean, everything's relative, too. Like, we want to say that maybe Duke-Louisville programs like that are getting separation in terms of, you know, looking like a team is more readily able to get to a Final Four. We also have to remember that in the ACC this year, we were almost operating like a team in the West Coast Conference mm-hmm. because a large portion of those teams that you're playing are not projected to be in the field. I mean, there's a legitimate chance, that the ACC and the West Coast Conference and the Atlantic 10 have the same amount of teams in the
0: NCAA tournament. 100%. And it does crack me up, and that was something I was actually thinking about uh, just throughout the day and, you know, something that I get asked a lot, like I'm sure you get asked, well, can San Diego State really win it? I'm like, well, you know, Creighton's in second place in the Big East and they beat them by 30, so yes, I think they can. But then when people come at you with the, well, they don't play anybody, it's like, well, really, like, like, who is Louisville really playing right now? Like, no disrespect to Boston College and Virginia Tech and, and Georgia Tech, but, like, the ACC ain't, you know, it ain't what it's always been cracked up to be either. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, of course. I'm – I agree with you 100%.
0: Fantastic. How about just in the bigger picture of winning a national championship? Because this is another thing that that as somebody who loves this sport, I think this always gets confused. We have these conversations of, well, you know, that's so wide open and this many teams can win it. and And it's like when you really boil it down, there's really usually about six, seven, eight teams that I feel like can win it in most given years. Um, every once in a while you'll get a Shabazz Napier or something like that. But how many teams right now, and we don't know what the next month is going to hold, but would you say realistically you think can actually not only get to a Final Four, but win the two games and win six games total to win a title?
1: There's more than average. I would say 15 or 20 teams can get to a Final Four this year, and that's just off the top of my head.
0: You think but fit to win a national championship, though? I said to get to a Final Four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, how many teams do you think can actually win a championship?
1: You know, I would have to split the atom a little bit right now, but I would say ten. Yeah. That sounds about right. I would say ten I would say ten teams to win the national championship. I mean I voted Seton Hall and Maryland nine and ten on my bracket. And I think that, you know, there's a real chance that, you know, those teams are gonna be capable of getting there.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I would actually include Seton Hall in there as well. Uh, let me go through a couple teams. You tell me what you think. Can win it all, not just get to a Final Four, but can win it all. Um, we'll start with the easy one. Okay, l- let's start with the non-easy ones for people who don't watch this stuff. San Diego State. I love San Diego State. I think they're phenomenal. One, give the fans what they need to know, and two, just how good they are. Yeah, can they win it all? Absolutely, yep. I mean,
1: this isn't a cop-out answer. We need to see the draw. (laughs) Uh, I I, I don't think there's any doubt that San Diego State is capable. We, We need to see the draw. I mean, they're a team, obviously, that, you know, defends at a high level. They've got more stop making and so on and so forth. But we have seen scenarios where teams of that ilk, a San Diego State or a Butler, you know, was in a situation where it had a lot of momentum going to the NCAA tournament. Sure. If you're undefeated right now, it's mid-February, you're good enough to win the national championship. So this year, yes, is San Diego State capable? Yes. Would they be a favorite? Probably not.
0: Cian Hall, you said you think can win a national championship? Yes.
1: No No question.
0: I agree 100%. Uh, how, how about, I know you just had him on your podcast, West Virginia Bob Huggins. What, what do you think?
1: I think West Virginia has the shops to grind its way to a Sweet 16. Beyond that would depend a lot on the matchups. And, you know, I talked to Huggins about this earlier in the week. And, you know, I asked him what's the biggest thing, you know, that he needs to improve on in the next month to be a team that really wants to play. And he said, it's real simple. We've got to choose a little better. West Virginia staff started the game against Oklahoma on Saturday. They missed 22 shots within two feet of the basket.
0: 20, did you say 22, so, 22 shots?
1: 22 shots. That's, that's, that's what Huggins told me. So, wow. You know, people say we just got to make shots. and that simple. But he said if we make half those, we win the game going away. So, you know, that's going to be a big key for that team moving forward, you know, as it
0: normally is. Villanova, you think they can win it all six games? Yes, I do think that they can. I, I wouldn't expect the Villanova team to, you know,
1: win, win a national championship, I, I, but I think that they can.
0: You mentioned Maryland. Same thing. You think they can, without going yeah, the brand? Maryland has the talent to win the national championship.
1: All right. Last I one. don't know if they're going to, or are, You know, I mean, I think a lot of. Here's the thing. A lot of the teams that you're asking me about, and this is, I think, a common theme right now for this season. A lot of teams that you're asking me about have the chop. You know, go to the NCAA tournament or also lose in the second round. There's going to be a lot of teams like that this year.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I agree with all of that, and that's kind of why I was asking you about those teams. We know Baylor's good enough. We know whoever, Kansas, whatever. Uh, Last couple questions. Uh, Obviously, everyone filling out a bracket loves the teams that are a little bit off the radar. Anybody standing out to you at this point, it can be a fourth, fifth, sixth-place team in a high-major conference, a, a first-place team in a low-major conference. Anybody stand out that could make a run that nobody's talking about?
1: I've got four that I'm looking at. Creighton out of the Big East, so good offensively. Tremendous guards, tremendous offensive coach. BYU out of the WCC. You have Yoli Child, You've got great veteran guard play with Soulson and with Oz. Houston out of the American Conference. Who I think you know is one of the better rebounding teams I've seen this year in person, and then Penn State out of the Big Ten, a team that has a dynamic four-five and Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins and a burgeoning star in Myrian Jones, who pound for pound, inch for inch, one of the most improved players in college basketball this year. All
0: right, John Rothstein, he is of course. Uh... He is the host of Stuffed on uh, YouTube. You can find it uh, on his Twitter feed. You can also follow him on Twitter at John Rothstein. John, anything else? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're going to be in studio with CBS, but anything else people need to know about where you're going to be, what you're going to be doing over the next month? Just got to try to keep
1: trying to stay busy and keep trying to report on it. That's it. Just, like, a lot like you know Sylvester Stallone and Rambo in the sequel, Rambo First Blood Parts part two. I'm day by day.
0: Fantastic. You going to enjoy that nap once May hits or what? Exactly. (laughs) John Rostein. Follow him on Twitter, at John Rostein, And that is all. All right, I want to give a quick thank you to my man, John Rothstein. Uh, as I said, it was uh, very nice of him to come visit, come hang out. He's a good dude. I really enjoy talking hoop with him. He is one of these guys a lot like me. I mean, he could just talk college basketball 365 days a year. I mean, you could call him up literally in the middle of July um, and just say, you know, John, what You know, what are your thoughts, man? You know, Big Ten this year. like?" And he'd just give you 12 minutes on, well, you know, Iowa returns this and Maryland's down that and Michigan State. Don't sleep on Michigan. Uh, and I'm very much the same way, and John and I get along really well, and I actually enjoy talking hoop with him. Uh, all right, it's it's about time to get out of here. I've done enough for one day. Really did quickly though. Want to give a shout out of the day, and the shout out of the day goes to the Iron Bowl basketball style. Okay, so the first time that these two teams played, Auburn and Alabama is obviously the Iron Bowl. We all know it from football. First team these two teams played. I actually talked about it on the podcast because Auburn was the last undefeated team in college basketball besides San Diego State, and they lost, and it was this crazy game, and I talked about it, yet they played again on Wednesday, and it may have been even crazier. First of all, Auburn wins in overtime, 95-91. That's not really the story. The story with Auburn is just they play these insane games. And I know we got a lot of Kentucky fans listening to the show, so take out your bias for what happened at Auburn a couple days ago when Auburn uh, shot 22 more free throws than you did. I think the final total was 44 to 22 or something like that. Um, and let's just talk about the fact that Auburn, in their last five games, they have played four games that have gone into overtime, and they have won every single one of them. They beat LSU in overtime. They beat Arkansas in overtime. They beat Ole Miss in double overtime, and they beat Bama on Wednesday night in overtime. They are now four. They are now five and zero oh in their last five. Four of those games have gone to overtime. That's insane. And I think we all know now why Bruce Pearl sweats so much. The other story in this game, though, this is really why it's a shout of the day. Remember last time we talked about Bama, and I told you that Nate Oates kind of has that Houston Rockets philosophy of. The only good shots are either layups or three-pointers. Like, there's nothing worse than a mid-range jump shot, and there's no reason to even take one. Because if you're going to take a long shot, it might as well be a three because it counts for one more point. If you're going to get inside the arc, drive at the rim, try to get a foul, try to get to the foul line, whatever. Why do I bring that up? It is because in an overtime game, Alabama shot, are you ready for this, 59 three-point attempts. 59-59 three-pointers. They made 22, 37%. They end up losing the game. But I'll tell you exactly what I told you the first time these two teams play. Every time I watch Alabama. I don't know how you can be a guard in high school basketball, a shooter in high school basketball, and not say, man, I want to go I want to go play for that guy. Because, like, say what you want about Nate Oats, Friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. By the way, Bruce Pearl, too. We don't show bias here. Nate Oates, he wants to play fast, and he wants to shoot threes. And I don't know any high school player in America that doesn't want to play like that. So shout-out to those two teams. Just an insane game. There was nowhere else to really talk about it, so we talk about it here. Shout-out the day, Auburn, fourth win in five games in overtime. Uh, all of them are wins. Bruce Pearl sweating his you-know-what off. Nate Oates, 50 59 three-pointers. Just insane. All right, that's it for today's Aretoro Sports Podcast. I want to thank John Rothstein for joining me. I want to thank you for listening, and I think it was a really fun show. Like I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to change anybody's opinion on San Diego State or Dayton, but at least we talked about it. We also talked some bubble teams, and it was a good time. I enjoyed myself. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, That's all for today. I want to remind you, if you're not subscribed, now is as good a time as any to do it because we are talking hoops now going forward for a very long time. And If you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. You can do it on iTunes. If you have an Android podcast addict is the way to go, that's where I download this show because uh, I do in fact have an Android podcast addict is the way to go. Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. Also make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Uh, make sure. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It's getting late here. Make sure you're following on Instagram Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Also, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I do have a couple questions maybe I will get to at another time, but it is busy time. It is go time. If you have any questions, though, send them in because this is the time where there's so much to talk about that it always does help when you guys send stuff in so I know what you guys do want to talk about. So that is all for today's show. I appreciate you guys listening shout out to bruce pearl who's sweating his you know what off shout out to nate oates and those 59 three-pointers shout out to torrent craig shout out to rachel who hates my voice that is all i will be back on monday